You know, while the enemy wants to distract and delay and even deny our access to God this morning, there's one that just rules over everything and everything. And you're here. So there could have been a distraction or a delay that could have taken place this morning for you, but uh, you're here. Amen? Thank God for that. Well, you know, speaking of delays like that, so what do you know? I'm here to preach this morning. I go out to my driveway and my car would not start. So, you know, a little bit of, you know, anxiousness comes in. But you know what? I remind, God reminded me he's in control. I got another car. So, <laughs> so just how to wait for the kids to get ready, and that's all good. Well, this morning, I just want to bring a gospel message. A gospel message today that really applies to here. If you're for the first time and you're, you're hearing a gospel message for the first time, or maybe this is the hundredth gospel message you've heard. It's something that applies to all of us. Isn't that true? And... I want to start off by reading the Bible verse that is known really around the world. You probably guess which one that is. But do you happen to know that the Bible, the entire Bible, has been translated in over 400 languages? The New Testament is over 1,400 languages. And all that for good reason. There's some truth to this. There's importance to this word. God's word. You know, in the Guinness, Guinness uh, World Records, still uh, says that the Bible is champion. It is still the number one selling Bible they're selling and distributed around the world for good reason, because it's good gospel news. Can you give an amen to that? Amen. So why don't we do that? If you want to look on the screen, you want to look in your Bible, you want to look on your electronic device, we're going to go to John 3.16, and let's look at that today. It says here, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. This passage puts the gospel in a nutshell, roll and you see headlines and one gets your attention, right? This ought to get our attention. It ought to be like the hook of a headline to make you want to read the rest of the story, right? That God so loved the world that he gave something. He gave his son as a sacrifice. There's something that we have to do. We can't just read the Bible. We have to read the Bible. Because what hangs in the balance and what we're reading right now What's at stake here? Consider it. Think about that. This is the good gospel news. And uh, there's something in the beginning that I wanted to share, but at this moment, I think I need to move it to the end. So somebody remind me. Can you do that? All right. Thank you. So the good gospel message today, I want to ask just this really important question. How many got the text message on Friday about what's the most important thing? Right? Did you get it? But what is the most important thing in your life right now? It may not what we think. As I said that, asked that question, you had a thought in your mind. You might have come to a couple think, different things, and you wonder, is it this one? Is it that one? Is it this one? You know, some people might think, oh, well, my spouse is the most important thing, my husband, my wife. And, you know, you would be right. That's important. And then you think, okay, well, then it's my children. Someone might say, what's well, my job? It's my career. Somebody might say, it's my house. Somebody might say, it's, a young person might even say, it's my smartphone, duh. <laughs> you know, but, but it's not what we think. I want to I present to you today that the most important thing in your life is your soul. Hands down, your soul. But, you know, unfortunately, it's not something that we give a lot of attention to. We tend to give the out, outer person, this body, a lot more attention than we do our own soul and our own heart. And that's what I want us to look at today. See, Jesus asked this really important question. It's in Matthew chapter 16, verse 26. 
Jesus says this, look, what good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world yet forfeits his soul? There's other translations with different wording. One you can find that says, what profits a man? You know, what profits a person? Where's, Where's the profit? And if he gains the whole world yet suffers the loss of the soul. There's different ways of looking at this. And you know, here, Jesus is asking the question to his disciples here in this chapter about what it takes to follow him. And he's asking that question of you and I this morning. What profit will it gain you of the thing that you're pursuing if it means that it costs your soul? That means that it takes you away. Because when Jesus says that you're trying to gain something, you're in pursuit of something. What is it that you pursue that is drawing your attention away from God or even giving life into your soul? And I only have one, one point today, only one main point. is this, I want to talk to you today about the importance and the value of your soul. Because you see, your soul is you. It makes you who you are. Your soul is you. That is who you really are. And your soul is more valuable than anything in this world. Your soul is breathed to you by God. Jesus made it clear in this verse that it's something that can actually be lost. It can be forfeited. And as well, in another way, your soul could even be starved. It can be starved because of even uh, unbelief or not giving attention to the things of God, not growing in a relationship, starving the soul. And what you do with your soul can determine what happens in this life now and your life after this life. The soul is the part of you that lasts for eternity. Do you understand that your soul is immortal? Because in the book of Matthew, it says that not even anything in this earth can kill your soul. You see, you don't have a soul. You have a body. We have to flip that perception. We, have, we are a soul with a body. We're here on this earth with a body, but we have a soul that God created. And you know, there's three basic needs that are our body. They're really easy. They're basic. You have to breathe, which I highly recommend. You have to eat, and you need water. Three basic things, and that's how we live. And it's amazing that God provided all those three basic things. Air that we breathe, the food that we eat, grows naturally. God set into motion, and we have to be hydrated. Not only does our body need to be hydrated, but our soul needs to be spiritually hydrated. So we give life to one. We give more attention to one, but not the other. That's what I want to show you today. And with this being the case, that we should be more alert. We should be more alert of what we set our heart towards. Because where the heart is set to, where the heart goes, the soul follows. The life follows. And a lot of this all is a matter of the heart. We ought to guard our hearts. Because where the heart goes, we follow. Unfortunately, our society, we're just so busy with stuff. There's so much activity. There's so much going on around us to distract us, to delay us, to give our attention to other things than what's really important. You know, really focusing on the important things in your life, like your soul. And even taking time to read God's word, to being in prayer, to seeking God's presence, to being in worship, to being in praise. You know, unfortunately, I, I don't say this to bring anybody down, but sometimes we'll go in week in and week out, and the only time you have any word that you read or, or any time in God's presence is on Sunday. 
But God wants us to have that momentum each and every day, each and every day. And it doesn't have to always be at this incredibly high level of prayer time and worship time. God wants you to start where you are. But let there be momentum from Sunday to Monday to Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday to Friday, Saturday. And we're here again. You get that? I hope so. That was a bonus. I was on the side. See, evangelist Billy Graham, he says this about this subject. He says, suppose you could gain the whole world and lose your soul. Was it worth it? Was it worth it? I don't think so. Looking again at Matthew 16, we'll read the whole verse. But from the beginning, it says, What good will it be for a man if he gains the whole world, yet, okay, listen, at a cost, yet forfeits his soul? Or what in this world, in other words, can a man give in exchange for his soul? Listen to that question. Because here Jesus is trying to draw a contrast. What can really be in this world or everything in the world be of equal or greater value than your soul? Because in other words, everything that you see and we're looking around and even our body is temporal and the soul is eternal. So uh, the life that we live is only like a moment compared to eternity. Forever. Eternity is forever. For always. And you know, we're either going to spend an eternity in complete joy in presence of God or the other alternative is the eternity in misery, in heartache, in death. Jesus points out this contrast to us. And, you know, you ever see those bumper stickers that says, if you're going to live like there's no God, you better be right? It's right there with the one, if you're going to live like there's no hell, you better be right? It's true. I mean, I know it's on a bumper sticker, but it's still really true. I happen to like the one that says, the bumper sticker that says, do you follow Jesus as close? (laughs) On the ride home, you'll, you'll get that. Oh, that's what he meant. In reality, our decision to follow Christ or not determines what happens in this life. It depends on what happens on our life after this, our eternal life. If we look again at, this, at the second half of the verse, look at it. The soul is the most valuable thing in your life and nothing can compare to its value, not even if you have the whole world. Do you know your soul is priceless? You can't put a value in it. You don't have a barcode that you can scan and scan check. It doesn't happen that way. Nothing in this world, even if you have it all, is worth giving up and trading up your soul. You know, where I work, just up the street and around the corner, there's a cemetery. And so there's a funeral home a couple places, and I see the funeral procession driving by. You know, it gets my attention. I I can see it, like, from here to the street. And I see the Hertz going by. You know what I don't see is a trailer hitch on the Hertz with a trailer of all the stuff that you attained. You can't take it with you when you die. And I certainly don't see a U-Haul truck in the funeral procession. When you go, it's just you, baby. It's just you. Here, and another thing, even just equally or more important, in the book of Genesis, it says that we are made in the image of God. Of course, not a physical image, but a spiritual image, an image of his, of his, of his qualities, of his attributes, of his likeness. And the soul is God-given. And your soul longs, like in Psalms 42, verse 1. It says, your soul longs to be in the company of of God, our creator. I really believe that. I believe that our, our soul longs to be in the presence of God. And until your soul is in a close company with God and in relationship with him through Jesus Christ, your soul will never be satisfied. Because how many, how many be there? You may be in that place now, but you just feel that there is something missing in your life. 
You know what it is? It's not necessarily in your life that's missing. It's in your soul that's missing. Because only God can fill the empty space, that emptiness that you're feeling. It is God that fills that spot. And then that's when you have the fulfillment. Because get this, you will always battle with discontentment until you let Christ be all that you need. You can chase after everything in this world that you ever wanted and get it, and it still wouldn't be enough. It wouldn't be enough. You know, sometimes new stuff brings like a high. You're like, wow, this is new. This is brand new. Sometimes it could be an article of clothing. It could be a new car. It could be a new piece of furniture in your house. It could be a new smartphone. And then you're, you're just loving this thing. And it's like, yeah, I like this. But you know, how many know that it wears out? It just, it just didn't have the same effect that it had before. So in the same way, when we just go after stuff, that's just a cycle of the highs and the lows, the high and then the crashing, and then you want to get high again. Pardon, you know, nothing weird like that. You want to experience that again and then down again and up again because none of that is fulfilling. Nothing really fulfills the contentment of your soul. Only God can fill that. Are you with that this morning? And without the soul being embraced by God, it's the humanity, the human side, its appetites, its, its ways, drifts the soul away from God. And it's sin. Sin is the complete barrier between us and God. It's a complete separation from Him because nothing unholy can be in the presence of a holy God. And that's why we need Jesus. That's why we need Him. Sin is what separates us from God. But what was God's response to the sin and the separation? Again, looking at John 3.16, it says it up on the screen. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. See this? Love gives. God's love gave his Son. Why did he have to give his Son? Have you ever wondered... You know, we can dig in the scriptures and, and, and find the answers for that. And I'm not, I, I don't know if this is completely the, uh, theologically correct, but this is something that just crossed my mind, so, so take it at what it is as me just saying this. That in the Old Testament, and there was the sacrificial uh, sacrifice worship, you had to give the highest quality of your livestock. It had to be the best to be acceptable. That's how you honored God in that sacrifice for the forgiveness of sins. So... What did God have? God had, and still has, had his son, Jesus, who's perfect, who was the highest of the highs, the king of the kings, the ruler of rulers, above and everything else. He gave his best for you. He gave his best for me. He gave his best for this world as a sacrifice. Do you see that? So he followed even, <laughs> he even followed the pattern of the sacrifice and says, I'm going to give my best. Amen, God. The sin of the world, our sin, what is it? What, what has sin done to this world? What has sin done in your life? What has it done to your soul? What on earth can be done about sin? Really, what on earth can be done? What can be done on this earth about evil? Really nothing. See, laws can't change the evil. Laws can't change the sin. Incarceration doesn't change it. Social programs doesn't change it. Money, throwing money at it doesn't change it. Doctors, counselors, therapists can't change it. 
They can't change it. Technology, even with all the technology we have and the technology in medicine and in surgeries, doesn't change it. All these things are necessary, and we need them in our life, in this world. But they have not been able to change the condition of the heart. Cannot change the condition of the heart, the only transforming work of God through Christ. Sin ruins. Sin destroys. God knows that. There's, there's, he, the Bible says that there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, it leads to death. So if we go to our own thinking, our own way of life, our own pattern, it leads to death. It leads to sin. It leads to being, drifting away from God. It's not in his plan. It's not in his path. But God here has the plan, has the steps through Christ. And it's this sin that separates us. It has separated me from God. It has separated you from God. We're not in his presence without Christ. Not only we'd be separated here on this earth, but if we don't make business with God and, and go through his son Christ, there'll be an eternity of separation. Uh, did I mention earlier eternity is forever? It doesn't change. So what do we do? If we look at the second part on verse 16, it basically says this, that whoever believes, whoever believes, it comes to a point of making a decision to believe. Believe that you'll be saved, that you'll not perish, that you'll have eternal life. What is saved ultimately? Your soul. What does the verse mean when it says that God gave his only son? He became a sacrifice for our sin. And 2 Corinthians 5.21 explains this pretty well. If you have it in your Bible, look on the screen. It says, He made Christ, who knew no sin, to judiciously be sin on our behalf, so that in him we would become the righteousness of God, that is, we would be made acceptable to him and placed in right relationship with him by his gracious, loving kindness. Do you see that? Let those words sink in for a minute. So in other words, Jesus took our punishment, our penalty, our sin, so that our soul can be in right and acceptable before the presence of God. And even furthermore, in 1 Peter verse 2, 24-25, let's look at it. It says, He himself bore our sins in his body on the tree so that we might die to sin and live for righteousness. By his wounds you were healed, for you were like sheep going astray. But now you have returned to the shepherd, the overseer of your soul. That verse 25 about the sheep going astray, just going on on your own way. A sheep just wandering on its own way. Trying to tell us that we are going on our own way. But through Christ bringing us back to God, to being the one with the good shepherd, the overseer of our soul. Do you see that? He died so that there could be a transformation in us. Amen. You know, now I remembered about the part I was going to share in the beginning. At the age of 13, God got my attention. God got my attention um, the first time I heard the gospel message presented in a way that I, that, that I could understand. You know, the interesting about it is I ended up going to church as a result of losing something. I was playing football at the time. I was, during practice, I noticed that at the end of it that my cross fell off, my gold cross on my chain. And it was something that was really important to me. And 
It was something that my parents gave me. And my parents, I'll share maybe more another time, but my parents were already starting to go to church, and they already made a decision to follow Christ, but not me. And they didn't force me to go, which probably is a good thing, maybe for me, okay? So at age 13, lost across the whole entire football team. I don't know how I got them to do this. The whole football team and the cheerleaders walking up and down the field looking for a tiny thing like this. Well, what do you know? Didn't find it. But I get, go home really sad, uh, really hurt because it was lost and it was really valuable to me. So I walk in the kitchen and I tell my mom, Mom, I lost the cross. And she goes, oh, wow. And she says, well, maybe God's trying to get your attention to go to church. So I said, wow. Okay, well, he's got my attention. So that, I think that might have been a Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Sunday mornings come. And I agreed I was going to go. So I walk into this church and, you know, it was kind of that type of church that is rectangle and you got the pews so i go in and it was like a different world they wasn't sure what was going to happen this just so happened that at that morning there was an evangelist speaking and you know how evangelists are man they pour it on all right so here my 13 year old self sitting there and i'm hearing about god and i'm hearing how much he loves me and that he sacrificed his son for me you know, and I was, all I can think of was how amazed I was that someone would love me that much that they would sacrifice for my life, for my eternity. So I'm sitting there, and I am moved by the Spirit of God in a powerful way. First time, didn't understand it. But all I knew is that there was something in my life at that moment. So, like every evangelist, it's time to make a decision. So I hear the evangelist start asking for a response. So what happens? I'm sitting there, and everybody's eyes are closed, everybody's heads bowed, and he's asking for somebody to raise their hand that wants to know more and wants to make a decision to follow him. And I w- that was it. I was won over by the amazing love of God, and that's all I needed to know. I did. I raised my hand. I said, that's me, Mr. Evangelist. And, yeah, give God praise for that. So then... You know how evangelists, they don't just stop there. Then you got to like come up to the altar. So I, finally, he, he starts making the invitation. And, you know, like all these years, I've wondered, why do we do that? And then, pardon me, because this is kind of ad lib right here. There was something in, 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 in the word that we'll look at later that there's a reason for it. We come forward because it's a testimony. It's a saying, I'm making a decision. And it's a point of accountability for you. It's a point of comp- accountability for you and for the people around you. That, hey, you know, you made a decision and you're just getting started. And it is, it's time to go ahead and follow those steps that God's leading you. So sure enough, he says, who's going to come? Who's going to come to Christ? Who's going to come receive his gift of salvation? I don't know what happened. I understand it now. But I felt something on me make me stand up and walk down that aisle. And I, I'm, I'm like, hey, this is spooky. I don't know. So I go up there, but, you know, it was the most amazing and wonderful thing that I ever did. Now, to shorten the story, I've got to be honest, and I, I, I've kind of battled what I was going to say about this story. You know, as a teenager, going into older teens, young adult, I wish I could say that everything was perfect. It, it, it just wasn't. You know, I neglected one thing. I neglected feeding my soul. Do you know, my friends were a year or two years older than me. So they were always getting into stuff that was just not even right for themselves, let alone me. 
And I don't fault my friends, but you know, the, the pastor says that bad company corrupts good morals. Well, you know what? That's, that was the, the path I was on. So as much as I tried to resist the places that would go, the things that they would do, I had already had something in me that I knew just wasn't right. But just that constant being in that atmosphere kind of chips away at you. And if you allow it, it'll just take you and suck you right in. So, of course, what happened? I drifted away from the Lord, got to the point where I, got, I wasn't really sure where my eternity was. That, that's how far I went from God. But there were even times when I would come into church on Sunday, you know, like come Thursday, Friday, Saturday, I'm like, I got to get back to church because I got to get right, right? Weird thinking. So then here comes Sunday and everything's good. And I'm going to like, okay, this is it. I'm going to just be straight, be right, do everything I got to do. Then Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, back into the same place. Sunday is a vicious cycle. And you know, going through all of that, my friend Jay, my best friend, on, on, a, on a Wednesday late afternoon, he says, we should go to church. I was like, bro, who goes to church on Wednesday? That's just Sunday, you know? So he somehow convinced me. So we, we go, and I'm just not really expecting anything, but here I'm sitting down, and then the pastor's preaching. And you, know, you ever, like, sit down, and you hear one of those sermons that are like, oh, he's talking to me. How did he know? Yeah, oh. So I, 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 something was really moving on my heart. I left. Nothing really happened at that point. But me and my, my best friend, Jay, we go back to my apartment. He's on one couch. I'm on one couch, on the other couch. And I, I, God is just stirring in me, moving in me, moving in me. And I knew enough that something was happening. Something was about to happen. And God gave me this vision. And I don't know why he gave it to me this way. I don't know if it's from, you know, your, maybe your experiences, your background. But I'm on a stage platform, okay, a train platform. And I see a train come up. And right in front of me, the doors open. You know, kind of like in the subway? And I hear him say, you, if those doors close and this train goes, you may not know if you're going to ever have another chance. <laughs> that was enough for me. <laughs> so, I, God, you got my attention. Like I was when I was 13, you got my attention. So I started looking over at my friend Jay. And, you know, right, he's right about to, like, uh, um, light up a cigarette, you know. And I'm looking at my pack, and I'm thinking, oh, no, I got to do something about that. So, you know, you ever, like, ask a question? It's a set of questions, the question you really want to ask. So I asked him, hey, Jay, I was like, you know, I was thinking about quitting. <laughs> I mean, not until just now, you know. I was thinking about quitting. And he says, he says I go, Are you, 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 know, you want to do that with me? And he's like, no, nah, I'm not ready for that. I'm not ready for that. I was like, oh, because now I'm going to know what the answer is going to be to the question I really want to ask. So I asked him, hey, Jay, I think I want to really give my life to God. I want to, you know, go back with him. I want to just recommit. I want to do, I want to do what's right. I was like, would you do it with me? And he looks at me, he goes, Joe, he goes, um, I'm not ready for that. And I thought it was so ironic because I was like, Jay, you're the one that got me to go to church today. You know, I was like, dude, I was like, I thought we were, you know, I thought you, you were going somewhere with this. I don't know. Maybe he just used my friend Jay for that. But at that moment, I realized I have a decision to make I started thinking about that verse. I was like, what would have profited me if I stayed with my friends and then lose my soul? Uh, I don't know what it is in your life. Maybe it's your friend. Maybe it's a job. Maybe it's a career. Um, you fill in the blank. Um, but, you know, I really didn't think of that until just now that really 
I could have forfeited my soul if I wanted to stay with my friends. And I'm going to be honest with you. It was painful. It was hard. These were my friends from, from childhood. But I had to make a decision. I had to, I had to make a decision to follow Christ. Um, had I continued to go on the path that they were going in, I don't know what would have happened. Okay? But that's just me. That's my story. And I thank God that he still got my attention at age 13. And then again, as an older teen, young adult, and want to be, me to be with him. You know what that tells me? That tells me that God is incredibly patient. He is amazingly, miraculously patient. But at the same time, we're not promised tomorrow. We're not promised our next breath. Okay? So the moment of the decisions of your life can, should happen now. Make peace with God with that. So I give, God, I give God praise for that. I want you to leave today with the truth in your mind that the most important thing in your life is your soul. What you do with it will determine your life now and your eternal life. What are you doing with your soul? Are you guarding it? Are you guarding your heart? Is your heart in the hands of God? Sometimes it's hard, especially with young people, to understand that there will be a time when you die. It's sometimes hard to understand that when you're a young person. And it's even harder to understand that there's a part of you that will live forever. Where will your soul live for eternity? You may not be sure of that right now. You know, again, Billy Graham says that the decision of your own soul is in your own hands by the choice that you make. Sometimes it's a decision. My, my son, Lucas, he's, he just turned three this week. And he has... Uh, uh, such a love for, for music and for singing praise songs and worship songs. And, you know, that's the one that he's taken a liking to, and it's the one I have decided to follow Jesus. And, you know, he'll pick up his, you know, kid guitar. It's either the one that has cars on it from the motion picture cars, or he's got a new one now. It's from Paw Patrol. But he'll start taking and playing with it, and he sings the song that says, I have decided... To follow Jesus. Come on, sing with me. I have decided to follow Jesus. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. And he's even got one of the verses down. It's the one that the world... The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. The world behind me, the cross before me. No turning back, no turning back. Yeah, a three-year-old sings that. So you may be asking, Joe, what do I do? <laughs> I, w- I can tell you, but I want the Word of God to tell you. In 1 John chapter 3, starting at verse 17, which happens to be after John 3, 16, so get that. It says, For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through Him. Verse 18, Whoever believes in Him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Romans chapter 10, verse 8 through 10. For salvation comes from trusting Christ, which is what we preach. 
is already within easy reach of each of us. In fact, it is as near as your own hearts and mouths. Verse 9. For it is you, if you tell others with your mouth that Jesus is your Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. That's the part I mentioned earlier that why you respond. It's for your own accountability. It's for, for, for accountability for others around you. Verse 10. For it is by believing in this heart that a man becomes right with God, and with his mouth he tells others of his faith, confirming his salvation. Do you get that? So why should there be a response? It's right there. Salvation is as close as your lips and your heart. Let's go ahead and play. People think it maybe it's a complicated process, but it really isn't because it's a matter of your heart and a matter of just speaking with your mouth. If we believe with our hearts and say with our mouths that Christ is the risen Lord, we will be saved. Can we stand together? And I want to I just tell you if, you, if you see the value and the importance of your soul, you will make a decision today. The time has come to hear the voice of God and respond to it. And in the past, you may have not responded to the voice of God speaking to you, but he's speaking to you. And I trust he's speaking to you and you hear him clearly. And it doesn't matter you're hearing the gospel minister the first time or this is the hundredth time. There's something that God wants you to respond to. Because not only does he speak to us today as a group, he's speaking to you as an individual right where you are. God's amazing that way. You may not know what tomorrow holds, but you can know who holds you tomorrow. It requires surrendering surrendering your heart and saying it's not my will but it's your will follow that prompting of the Holy Spirit that spirit that the presence that's on you right now I ask the band to lead us into surrendering all to Jesus just close your eyes for a moment and just so be like laser focused before the Lord right now because he is laser focused on you at this moment because what's at stake could be your eternity and if you're not right standing with God, I just want to let you know one thing first. God loves you, and he's patient, and he's not willing that you be in, in perish in, in eternal damnation, but have eternal life. Trust and believe. 